Hello, Happies. How you been doing, Happy Innovators? Happy Holidays, you Happy Innovators. It's that time of year again. So, I'm sitting here at my desk, getting ready to do my Singularity podcast, and I had this idea, okay, that I would do a podcast today that wasn't just about one thing, you know? Like, maybe what I'll try to do for this episode of the Singularity podcast is share a few different talking points with you, okay? So, you know, I sit down at my desk with my cup of coffee right here, take a sip. Oh, man. And I thought I would share with you a little kind of like secret or maybe just something I stumbled across uh, probably about a year ago in my studio. A little technical suggestion, okay? Now, if you're a musician who records at home and you perform the music yourself and everything, okay? And let's just say for the sake of discussion that you're not a drummer, okay? So uh, you never went out and invested, you know, thousands of dollars into a drum set, nor could you, okay? Um, you're, let's say you're a musician on a budget, okay? Well, I'm going to share with you a little trick that I figured out about a year ago or maybe two years ago now. I was working on a track I have called uh, Walking the Wall. It's a PC3 song, you know, released on Creative Commons or whatever. And with this particular idea, Walking the Wall, it was one of those uh, 24-hour songs that I've done where... I start the song, you know, right when I wake up in the morning, you know, adding music and everything. And then, you know, around supper time, I stop working on the tracks. Like, um, whatever has been recorded by supper time, that's it. That's, that's all the tracks for the song. And then I'll go eat supper and then I'll come back and I'll edit what I have into a finished piece of music. Like a really quick process, 24 hours, you know. Um, so with this particular idea, I'm sitting there, right? And I had this idea. I have a, a pair of, uh, brushes, metal brushes, um, that I use for my drums, right? And I have them at my desk and I usually, when I'm recording an idea, I like to keep notes. Like I write down things, uh, in case I need to go back in time and redo something again or something like that. Like I just kind of keep like little notes as I go along. So I always have like a notebook on my desk. So I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I'm holding these brushes in my hand and I just got this idea. Like what if I played my desk, you know, instead of a drum set on a song, okay, which is normal. Uh, what if I just played my desk and uh, I started to hit around. I found that my lamp that's above my desk has a pretty good bell sound. Okay, so just kind of screwing around, but most importantly, I, what I came across was if I hit my notebook on my desk with these metal brushes, okay, it gives me a really nice, like, snare sound. Okay, now, like, almost like a marching snare, right? A really tight, high sense kind of sound. Uh, but it's a rhythm being played manually, you know? Get what I mean? Uh, it may not seem like a big deal, but it kind of just gave me that idea, like of playing with found sounds, like uh, not always resorting to my drum set, stepping off of it, and playing, you know, inanimate objects, you know? That's a lamp, you know? What a cool sound. The screen on my computer, my actual desktop. More of a bass drum sound. So, and uh, here's my uh, recording interface. 
So if I'm alternating between the uh, uh, notebook and my interface, you know, I kind of can get some pretty cool rhythms going. I'm sure you can hear what I mean now. Uh, it can even slow it down. Hear that? That's my brushes rubbing across my notebook. A little bit of information I thought I'd share with all you starving artists and musicians, you know, like me, who uh, are maybe kind of like looking for something new to try out. This is something I would recommend. You don't need to go out and buy, a, you know, a thousand dollars worth of drums necessarily you can get away with playing uh, simple things like your notebook or your desk you know all you need to do is go out and maybe buy a couple of these brushes that I, I have a pair of Promark accent brushes uh, with metal metal brushes on them and uh, they're really comfortable to play and they're really inexpensive and you'd be surprised at how many times since I recorded Walking the Wall with my notebook drumming, uh, how many times I've, you know, on a whim, picked these things up and just started going around the room, you know? You know what I'm saying? Okay, so, okay, enough of that. Enough of playing around with that. You know, it's Christmas, right? It's Christmas. And this morning when my wife and I woke up, you know, we were just talking about the holiday season and, you know, what it means for her and her job and work. And, you know, there's all these parties and all this stuff going on, all this hoopla. And there's gift exchanges and stuff like that. And, you know, like I mentioned last year, okay, um, there's a certain amount of, you know, pressure that comes with, the holiday season, you know, to reciprocate uh, gift giving and generosity and things like that, right? And while we're talking, I just couldn't help but think about this, that um, we celebrate Christmas really like all over the world, right? And I kind of feel like, well, the reason we celebrate Christmas is we're celebrating the birth of Jesus. That's what we're celebrating. And it's kind of funny in a way to me because not everybody believes in Jesus, <laughs> okay? But pretty much everybody celebrates Christmas. You know what I'm saying? A, Christmas is a very popular holiday and I don't know I suppose you could look at it several different ways right you could go well uh, you know Christmas is no longer just a Christian holiday like uh, especially here in the States it's kind of been adopted as like even a secular holiday okay so there's that point of view right I can see that um, but Really, what we're celebrating is Christ Mass. That's Christmas. That's what we celebrate, the birth of Jesus Christ. And uh, it doesn't surprise me that in this time we live in, that Christmas has, you know, turned into or, or devolved into this holiday that celebrates materialism, which is like, technically technically the opposite of what we're supposed to be celebrating okay uh, I mean I don't know whether you believe in Jesus Christ or not okay but I do and I believe that we're celebrating his birth and I know there's people who go oh he wasn't born on the 25th of December and uh, you know what shut up you know like splitting hairs about it it's so silly it's like that's the day that the planet Earth recognizes as the day that Jesus was born. It's called Christmas. Like, 
calm down, you know? But um, I've always had issue with this. Um, like, I don't have any problem with people professing their belief in Jesus. Okay? I don't have any problem with that. Um, in fact, as Christians, we're kind of like encouraged to do that. Okay? To spread the word, you know, to continue the work of the apostles. Like, that's what we're taught to do, right? So, if you're like an atheist or an agnostic or something, and you have some Christian guy, you know, beating you over the head with Christianity, okay, like attacking you with it and trying to convert you, you know, by force, you know, they're going to make you believe because they just have so much knowledge. I've always had kind of a problem with that. And even though I'm guilty of it to a certain degree myself in the past, um, probably about 20 years ago, I really stopped doing that. Okay. Because, well, one, I'm not an expert. I'm not knowledgeable enough and qualified to really debate and talk about religion and things like that. Okay. Uh, and Christianity you know, versus atheism or something. I'm not smart enough to do that. I just don't know enough. But I've always had a problem with, even though I'm a Christian, I have a problem with uh, a lot of the time the way that Christians try to proselytize, you know, even to like me, you know, I, I believe already. You know, and it becomes like this really stupid, like splitting hairs, like, you know, who knows more, you know? Um, so I've always had a problem with that, you know, like I tune them out and I've been reluctant to talk about spiritual things, religious things on the Singularity podcast, not because I'm afraid to. Or something stupid like that. It's like because I don't need to be talking about it all the time. Okay? And it's not important to me that I convince you that I'm right and you're wrong. I do think it's important to convince you of the truth and what I believe is the truth. Okay? But there's a time and a place for that. And I don't know, maybe in the future or something it'll be that way. But the Singularity Podcast isn't really that kind of platform for me, okay? And it's not about me being right and you being wrong. It's about the exchange of ideas and just talking about ideas. So, having said that, you know, uh, back to this idea of Christmas, I think it's almost kind of comical to me that even though probably, you know, like if I were to guess, maybe like, you know, 55% or 65% of the audience doesn't even believe in Jesus. For some reason, when it comes to Christmas, we all kind of like ease up a little bit and kind of just go with it, you know, because it's a pleasant or it's supposed to be anyway a pleasant time of year and it brings people happiness and joy you know um which is an interesting thought in and of itself because even though you know the world may be secular or agnostic atheist or whatever for some reason that day that we celebrate and honor the birth of jesus regardless of what's going on in popular culture or whatever, it's still a pretty important day, it turns out, right? Christmas is still a pretty important day of the year. Um, so think about that, you know, because I do. Um, you know, I wanted to talk to you a little bit today, too, about... <laughs> Um, when I was visiting Cleveland uh, back in September, um, I sat down with my dad, okay? And 
I had brought all my recording gear to Ohio to interview my dad, okay? And the idea was, or at least partially, like the hope was that I would share the interview with my dad with you on the Singularity Podcast, that my first interview would be an interview of my dad, okay? And uh, so I'm at my parents' house, right? And I set up all of my equipment and everything, the microphones and everything. And like a complete lunkhead, like I am, you know, I went through all the trouble of, you know, loading up my gear, driving to Cleveland, unloading the gear, sitting my dad down, like actually getting him to just sit there and talk to me for a while on, you know, recording, which is, you know, nothing small either. Um, And I forgot to hit like a certain button on my unit, which is called phantom power and that makes the microphones work (laughs) and uh, I didn't record anything but static (laughs) okay so once I realized I had made that mistake all right and I lost my opportunity of this interview with my dad and my mom too but mostly my dad okay Um, I had another opportunity Okay, I had one more chance. So what I decided to do was just take my iPod, okay, no other recording gear or anything, and just video my dad and record him talking, okay? So I have a video and I would have an audio. And, you know, the idea was that I would eventually at least share the audio with you on the Singularity podcast, right? Well... (laughs) I'm asking my dad all these questions, like questions about like when each one of his children were born, you know, like, what do you remember when the oldest was born? What do you remember when the second oldest was born? My sister, you know, and what do you remember? Blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. You get what I'm talking about. And my dad is like playing along, you know, he's answering questions and he's, you know, it's going really great. Okay. Well, we were at my oldest brother's house. Okay, and for one reason or another, I'm not sure, but I don't think he realized that I was filming my dad and kind of like interviewing my dad. So my brother starts kind of like chiming into this conversation and I'm like, oh, you know, like, like, I, I, okay. It's cool that you want to talk and all that and you want to be part of the conversation, but I'm doing a thing here. You know, uh, and my brother is just like walking all over it, you know, and uh, my dad is kind of a quiet guy. So and my brother is like, you know, not a loud mouth, but, you know, he's an extrovert. So, you know, I'm asking my dad a question and my brother starts answering what he remembers. OK, <laughs> and my dad winds up kind of just like sitting there listening to my brother talk and okay I'll admit it it kind of pissed me off a little bit okay because this was my last opportunity to really get a chance to interview my dad the way I had envisioned right and uh, you know it just went right in the toilet you know opportunity lost um And I had actually done a Singularity podcast about this particular situation, and it was one of the uh, podcasts that I decided to not share with you, okay, because the topic was kind of negative. You know, I was a little cheesed that my brother had, you know, just walked all over this interview. It was going so well. It was so cool. And, you know, it would have been great to have a record of my dad talking you know, about these stories, you know, that his experience as my dad, you know, the father of my family, you know, like getting his take on everything, right? Uh, Not so much, didn't happen. So I decided to not share that Singularity podcast with you, but I did decide today that I wanted to explain a little bit of that to you. So I don't have to share the episode, but you can kind of get the tone. Um, 
I was a little bit disappointed, to say the least. Okay. But I love my brother. You know, I'm not angry or anything like that. We're cool, you know, because uh, he'll probably listen to this, you know. But, uh, oh, damn, you know, it was just such a <laughs> really unfortunate loss of opportunity. <laughs> okay. So, another thing I wanted to talk about today, which is pretty interesting, okay. Um, I don't know what it's like where you live, okay, but in the United States, uh, marijuana, okay, the drug, marijuana, Mary Jane, or pot, dope, whatever you want to call it, is illegal, okay, except for in a handful of states. Now, there are only like two or three out of the 50 states on the continental United States um, that have legalized marijuana, okay, either for medical use or recreational use or whatever. Well, okay, the reason I'm bringing it up is because about a year or two ago, marijuana was finally made legal, okay, the prohibition on marijuana was lifted in Massachusetts. And about a year and a half, two years later, the first legal marijuana dispensaries have opened and are selling marijuana legally in the state of Massachusetts. And there's a lot of people who are against it. And there are a lot of people who are for it. Um, I personally feel that it's an interesting experiment. You know, uh, anytime that a prohibition can be lifted, because I don't believe in prohibition, really. You know, I, I, it's a sticky wicket, but I guess I kind of feel like, um, you know, I'm a libertarian. You know, I'm a centrist. I believe in personal autonomy. Um, and I believe that a person should be able to decide for themselves whether they want to take a drug or not. I don't think that it should necessarily be illegal. That it should be something if you're of age, you know, over 21 or something, that you should be able to pretty much try whatever you want to. You should be free to try whatever you want to. Now, I understand the downsides to that as well, but for the sake of this discussion, we'll kind of keep it like this. Like, I'm just kind of fascinated and I'm kind of proud in some ways of the state of Massachusetts, not because uh, marijuana is, you know, finally legal here, okay, but because a prohibition has been decided to be lifted. And I think that that's more important than any specific, you know, prohibited substance. You know what I mean? It's, it's more important that that exercise of freedom and autonomy is more important than the drug itself. So there you go. I thought I would share that with you um, because I'm watching it play out now. It's kind of an interesting thing to watch. And uh, I'm just, I'm just personally, I'm very proud that that prohibition has been lifted. So there you go. Um, and here's another thing I wanted to talk about. First, I'm going to take a sip of my coffee here. This is kind of like a hodgepodge, uh, you know, singularity podcast today. I'm just kind of going with whatever I have in my head. So I hope you don't mind. It's, you know, hopping from one thing to the next. But, you know, it's kind of like a news report, you know, or like an editorial. Anyway, coffee time. Hold on. Okay, that is like the best cup of coffee I've ever had. And I think I'm going to take another sip. Hmm. Oh my gosh, is that good? Maybe you should grab a cup too. Um, because we might be here for a little while. Anyway, so, you know, my wife and I go shopping a lot at Walmart. Now, I'm pretty sure that Walmart is a global store, so you probably have one near you, or you've probably been to one or something, no matter where you are in the world. At least that's my understanding, but 
Um, it's kind of funny because Walmart has this reputation of like selling crap. You know, like everything you buy at Walmart is like crap because it's inexpensive and, you know, it's cheap. It doesn't cost much money. And and usually the reason why it's so inexpensive is because it's kind of like of lower quality or crappy. Right. But I got to tell you, speaking from experience, that is a myth. Okay, Um, a lot of the stuff that you can buy at Walmart is actually pretty good and it's inexpensive. So uh, don't listen to the naysayers all the time because, you know, my experience has been like, you know, I buy a pair of sweatpants or something to work out in. Uh, Let's say I bought a pair in like 2006. Okay, to to exercise in. And I'm still wearing them like they're still in great shape. And I've beat the hell out of these things, but they still, you know, they're still intact. And I've bought more expensive, you know, uh, name brand uh, workout clothing, right? And it just got shredded, you know? And there's my handy dandy, you know, Walmart sweatpants and sweatshirt, tank tops, whatever, still holding up. So go figure. There's some food for thought. Don't listen to the naysayers. But anyway, so my wife and I were heading out to Walmart, right? And the snow had fallen and everything. And like the plows had come through. And uh, this is a while ago. This is maybe a few years ago. And uh, it was so funny because we noticed that as we're pulling into Walmart, into the parking lot, there's like this little island, this little Midian that separates the entrance. Like you have a left side and a right side. So there's incoming traffic going one way and outgoing traffic going the other way. And there's this little concrete like slab kind of thing, little island in the middle, right? I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Well, there was a sign, okay, like in this cement, in this little island, and it kind of said, you know, go this way, go that way. It was a, you know, a, a street sign stuck right in the cement, you know, a pole sticking out with this sign on it, okay? But apparently when the snow plows had come through that, that parking lot to clean out that parking lot, whoever was plowing that parking lot had absolutely no regard for that Midian, for that little <laughs> concrete island, right? And they just mowed right over this sign. Okay, so on this Midian, you have this metal sign, but it's bent all the way down to the ground, you know? And I just thought it was so funny, you know? It just looked so funny, but it got me to thinking, like, well, like, didn't the guy who was plowing that, like, know that there was a sign sticking up and that he probably shouldn't, like, you know, run over it? (laughs) Well... I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe (laughs) he could, he or she really couldn't see it. Right. But the net result was, you know, this flattened sign. And, you know, I remember asking my dad, you know, speaking of my dad, I remember asking my dad a while ago, like a few years ago, you know, just in a random conversation. I'm like, hey, dad, let me ask you a question. Do you think that, you know, since you were my age, okay, from the time you were, let's say, 47 or maybe even younger, like 35, okay, my father's about 82 right now, um, in between that time, would you say, from your experience, that people have gotten smarter, okay, or have they actually gotten stupider, okay, and without hesitation, Okay, without even having to think about it, he just blurted out, stupider, you know, people have gotten stupider. And we wound up, you know, musing on that for a while and talking about it, but I gotta be honest, I couldn't help but think about that conversation when I looked and I saw that sign just like flattened on that Midian, you know, like, Okay, it might sound harsh, but maybe it's like this, like, you know, 
the more that time goes by, let's just say, hypothetically, maybe, people are actually dumbing down, like actually getting stupider. And there used to be a time, okay, when there was like a standard. There used to be a time when there were standards. And they weren't necessarily very high standards, but, you know, they kind of kept everything intact in our civilization, right? But if you pay really close attention, okay, to little things like the plow just flattening that sign and you keep your eyes open for those kinds of things that, uh, you know, uh, you know, things that are broken or going in the wrong direction or something and no one says or does anything about it anymore. It doesn't even matter anymore. Like the standards are so much lower now that you can flatten a sign at the Walmart entrance and nobody will do anything about it. <laughs> They'll just leave it like that. Okay. Um, because it's still flattened. Okay. Like nobody even went out and tried to like, you know, bend it back up. It's still flattened. Right. So it speaks to this, this era that, you know, is worrisome to a certain degree, I suppose. That probably sounds really snotty, right? But it's like, you know, because it's not like I'm like Mr. Intelligent, you know? I'm not like super smart. I'm guilty of extremely stupid things myself, okay? I'm not proud of it, but it's true. I am, I'm human, but uh, I do have standards. <laughs> and I think they are a little bit higher than that, okay? Like uh, paying attention to something like that, you know? Uh, do you know what I mean? You may or may not, I don't know. It's kind of a kind of a negative thing to say. So make of that whatever you want, but Walmart's not so bad. <laughs> How's that? Well, stay positive. Walmart is not so bad. Um, You know, another thing I wanted to talk about today, let me get a sip of coffee again here. Oh man. Another thing I wanted to talk about was the fact that the holidays are coming around, right? You know, we had Thanksgiving and we have Christmas coming up, New Year's. And um, think for a moment how important food is to the holiday season, right? Like really the, like the essence of gathering with people, usually, you know, at all times <laughs> is really uh, at the center, at the center of every family gathering, okay, is this idea of sharing food. And food is like, a huge part of the holidays, you know? Um, and it's something that I don't spend a particularly, you know, large amount of time thinking about, but it is worth pausing for a moment and just at least thinking about it and maybe even talking about it a little. You know, this idea of good food, you know? Do you ever think about that? Do you ever think about that? Like, uh, how fortunate we are to have like good food, you know, a favorite food. I don't know what your favorites are, but I got a handful myself, right? And I remember uh, a while ago, I was watching this biography or the, you know, this documentary about Michael Hutchins from In Excess, who's one of my favorite singers. I just think he was a great singer, a legend. Um, but, you know, he was in an accident or he was like, you know, he had gotten injured somehow, either like in a bicycle accident or like in a fight or something. And he hit his head really hard, okay? Hard enough to lose his sense of taste. And man, I have thought about that, you know, countless times, just that what a, 
What a horrible tragedy, right? Can you imagine going through life without taste buds, without being able to taste food? It's like absolutely terrible, isn't it? But that can happen, you know? So I guess a note to self, like we should all be grateful and thankful that we can, well, one, taste food, right? But probably for the most part, most of us have access, you know, maybe not on a regular basis, but maybe on a semi-regular basis, we have access to really, really delicious, excellent food, you know? And just think about how much people take that for granted, you know, if that were ever taken away, you know? Uh, I don't take it for granted, you know, I have some favorites, man. You know, food is one of the best things about life, isn't it? The opportunity and the idea of like eating delicious food, you know? What are some of your favorites, you know? Let me think, what are some of my favorites, okay? Um, what do I love? Well, everybody loves pizza, right? Pizza is like a staple. I mean, everybody just loves pizza and hamburgers, you know, the basic things, and you know, like a really great hamburger. Have you ever had a really great hamburger? Like, you know, you can have hamburgers, uh, you know, from all different kinds of places, but did you ever find a hamburger in a restaurant or a place somewhere? And you're just like, this is the best damn hamburger I have ever had in my life. Like, this is delicious, you know? It's kind of hard to go wrong with a hamburger if you're cooking one or whatever, but uh, every once in a while you'll have one and it's like, wow, that is really good. Or, you know, it's really kind of, you know, hit or miss with pizza, but every once in a while, oh man, you know, you'll find a place who makes pizza just like, oh, it's so good. Do you know what I mean? Think about that, you know? Like right now, if you could eat anything in the world right now, what would you be eating? And I would have to say that if I could eat anything right now, it'd be two things. One, a Roman burger from Mr. Hero sandwich shop in Cleveland, Ohio, okay? You can't get those anywhere else. You can only get them in Cleveland, which is tragic, but uh, the best, the best, sandwich you will ever have in your life is a Roman burger from Mr. Hero, okay? And the second thing I would have would be a Reuben, you know, a corned beef sandwich with sauerkraut and Thousand Island dressing from Nate's Deli uh, in Cleveland, Ohio, where I grew up. Two things you can't get anywhere else, but oh my gosh, let me tell you something. I've tried a lot of Rubens all over the continental United States, okay? And I can tell you with certainty that the best corned beef sandwich I've ever had was from Nate's Deli in Cleveland, Ohio. I used to eat them all the time when I was a kid because it was really close to where I worked. And oh my gosh. Hmm. Every time I go back to Cleveland, there's two things I gotta have. A Roman burger and a Reuben from Nate's Deli with a side order of mozzarella sticks because they made the most killer mozzarella sticks there. Um, ooh, I'm getting hungry just even thinking about this stuff. But those are a couple of my favorites. Feel free to you know comment and share what your favorites are. Uh, good food, you know, the holidays and good food, you know. Can you imagine? It's just without taste buds or, ha ha, what a, what a horrible turn of events, you know? But uh, anyway, what else did I want to talk about today? Really quick. You know what I want to talk about? Well, let me get my sip of coffee here. You know, I have a, a loyal listener of the Singularity podcast, okay? And uh, him and I have dialogued a few times, okay? And, uh, you know, he's been really helpful to me, actually. Um, 
more than most, really, with the Singularity Podcast. He's kind of uh, helped me along a little bit, giving me feedback, and uh, he's a studio engineer, so he's actually given me some tips, a- answered my questions, you know, because I don't know everything about recording. You know, I'm still very much learning, um, and he's been very gracious and helpful with that. But uh, over the years, having talked with this guy a few times and, you know, we've had a back and forth a little bit, um, you know, it became clear to me that he was a person who believed in aliens, you know. And, you know, it's not that uncommon to find people that believe in the existence of extraterrestrial life and UFOs and that kind of stuff. And I've never had any problem believing in any of that stuff okay however i will say um and this is why i'm talking about it right now i'm actually talking to this friend of mine Stu. so Stu, if you're listening which i know you will be this is for you um we've had this discussion kind of like a little bit back and forth about ufos and alien abductions and those kinds of things right And I guess what I want to share with you, okay, is my take on what I think is happening, okay, when someone is abducted by aliens or makes the claim of being abducted by aliens, okay? Uh, The belief or the understanding is that they are extraterrestrial, they are actually from another planet or another galaxy, okay? I don't believe that really anymore. I do believe, though, that when people make the claim of having been abducted or seen a UFO or anything like that, you know, those kinds of things, uh, they are really having this experience. Okay, I believe that they are not lying, that they are telling you what they experienced. But I just don't believe that they're from another planet or another galaxy. I believe they exist. I believe people see them. I believe they abduct people. I believe all those things. I just believe that they're interdimensional, okay? That they're not from another planet. They're not extraterrestrial. That they are actually spirits, okay? That for one reason or another, however, You know, they've been able to find a way to cross over into our dimension and, you know, for the most part, torment people. I believe that's true. And I have a whole host of reasons why I believe that. But I wanted to share with this listener of mine my position on it. Okay, so I believe that UFOs are real. Don't have any doubt about it. These people, when they... They tell these stories. They have these accounts of what they've experienced. Uh, They're telling the truth. They're telling you what happened. You know, maybe not all the time. I mean, maybe some of them are delusional or insane or something. Okay. But not all of them. And uh, I just don't believe that they're aliens. I believe that they are some kind of malevolent spirit of some kind. Some kind of malevolent being that has managed to cross over into our dimension and interfere uh, in the lives of these people, you know, and traumatize them and scare them and torment them. You know, it's uh, very seldom do you ever hear a happy story about an abductee, you know, of aliens. You hear these horrible accounts of torture and suffering and... Why is that? You know, that would be a question I have. Like, why is it always negative? Ah, man, you know. So there you go, Stu. There you go. Thanks for listening to this podcast of mine for so many years now and being loyal. Thank you for that. And I know he'll probably go, aw shucks, or something like that in the comments, you know, some kind of funny response. But seriously, thanks. Uh, you're kind of like becoming the uh, the inspiration for this podcast. <laughs> you are becoming the inspiration to this podcast because you engage me 
you make comments, you say things, and not everybody does. You know, that brings me to another thing I want to talk about, which has been on my mind lately, is this idea, okay, of reciprocity on the internet, okay? And you're probably thinking, reciprocity? Like, what is this guy talking about? Well, okay, reciprocity, in case you don't know, is like the the idea or the act of like returning a favor or returning a kindness. Like someone does something nice for you, so you in turn do something nice for them. You know, it's an exchange, right? You know, you don't have to be great friends to share reciprocity. You can just be strangers who, you know, I help you out, you help me out. You know, we're all struggling musicians, artists, whatever we are. And you know, like if I'm gonna dial into what you're doing, you dial into what I'm doing and we kind of like help each other out, right? Well, that's not always the case, all right? And I have to say that that really bothers me that, you know, I'll, I'll take a step towards someone else, you know, uh, a stranger or like even a friend that's making music or whatever. I'll step up and I'll comment and I'll engage their content and try to help them out a little bit. You know, even if it's just liking something or making a comment or something like that, right? Very simple, doesn't take much time. And, you know, most of the time I'm genuinely interested in what they're doing, you know? And even if I weren't, I would at least give them the time of day, right? And I would subscribe or I would like it or I would comment or something like that, right? A good example of that is my friend Eric, okay? He has a YouTube channel, Lutherville. I have a YouTube channel and we both kind of help each other out, you know? Uh, he'll watch my stuff, he'll comment, he'll like, whatever, dislike even, I don't care. Um, and I'll do the same for him. Now, there's a sense of like obligation in a way, okay? But that's not what it's all about because I genuinely care about him and what he's doing and what he's creating and I'm interested in it. So of course, I'm gonna reach out to him and he reaches out to me, right? Reciprocity. I scratch your back, you scratch mine. One hand washes the other, you know, however many cliches you wanna throw at it. But nothing will turn me off faster to someone who's an artist, musician, whatever. Nothing will turn me off faster than when they don't practice reciprocity, okay? Um, I find it to be rude. It's, it's not courteous. It's not the proper decorum, you know? If I engage your content, you should at least listen to mine a little bit, okay? Not so much. That doesn't happen as often as at least I think it should, okay? And that's all I'm going to say about it, but it just kind of pisses me off, you know? Um, now, let's see. My final topic that I'm going to hit you with today, okay? Take a sip of coffee here. Final idea here that I'm going to share today is a story about my brother Steve. Now, this story that I'm going to tell you is also um, one of the Singularity podcasts that I made, you know, back in September or whatever that I decided to not share because, you know, it was a little negative and a little personal, okay? Like a little too personal, um, which normally wouldn't really slow me down, but uh, it just was a little too much, okay? Anyway, so... The point that I was getting at with this singularity that I didn't share with you, okay, that I will share with you now, is that, you know, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know that I've talked about my brother a lot, okay? I've told you a lot of stories about him and how funny he is and everything. Well, the last time when we were visiting Cleveland in September, um, you know, it was status quo, business as usual telling Steve stories, laughing or whatever. However, this time, okay, 
I kind of sensed from Stephen, okay, who is now probably, what, uh, 50 years old, okay, he's 50 years old, he's not a kid anymore, and in this process of visiting and doing the remember when and laughing and all this, telling Steve stories, I kind of got the impression from him that, like, the joke wasn't funny anymore to him, and I think even though he would never say it or admit it or whatever, I think there's a part of him that's kind of like sick of it. Okay. And I understand that. Okay. Like it's funny to me. It's funny to my family members, but it's not so funny to him anymore. Okay. To be the butt of a joke or to be, you know, something to be laughed at all the time because you know, in all honesty, Stephen, as goofy and, and as silly as he is, is really actually a pretty serious guy. You know, he double majored in college, like I've said before uh, in my podcast. I've talked about that and how hard it was for him to get through college. And he did it and he finished and he paid for it himself. You know, he didn't have any help from anyone. He did it all by himself. And, you know, he started two businesses uh, he's self-employed, you know, so he runs two businesses, um, and they're successful. You know, both businesses are very successful. He's doing really well, you know, and we don't talk about that so much, you know, and when we came home from Cleveland and my wife and I were both kind of debriefing and talking about the whole visit experience, she kind of pointed out to me. Um, something that I had never really thought about before, okay? And it's kind of personal. It's kind of a family thing, but I'll share it with you in the hopes that maybe you can relate to what I'm talking about somehow, okay? My wife pointed out to me, okay, that she found it interesting, okay, that when we get together, when my family gets together, and we start to share stories with each other, okay, they usually tend to be like negative or like borderline um, ridicule, okay? Um, it's all done in the spirit of like endearment and love and affection and being silly and funny, but we communicate to each other in this way, okay? And it's kind of, okay, it's kind of negative, all right? We don't share the positive, happy, successful stories of each other. We tend to focus on and, you know, point out or like our idiosyncrasies, you know, and laugh about them, okay? So... The long and the short of it is very seldom is there ever like a compliment, you know, or an anecdote about a great thing that one of us did that was really great. You know, it's always like, remember the time you messed up? Ha 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 ha. How funny. That time that you really messed up. Okay. Um, and I never really thought about it like that, but... It wasn't until after this trip and my wife and I were talking and she kind of pointed it out. And I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. So what I decided to do was share with you a Stephen story. Okay. That's not negative. That is positive because like I said, he's a pretty serious guy and there's a lot of success in his life and a lot of really large obstacles that he's overcome to get to where he's at right now. Okay, so it wasn't all fun and games and goofing around and being an idiot, right? And, you know, just as a side note, you know, I did mention it to Steven and his attitude was kind of like, oh, I don't mind, you know, it's cool, like that kind of thing, but I kind of sensed, you know, yeah, I guess maybe it's not so funny to him anymore. 
okay, this 50-year-old guy. So with that, I'll tell you my positive Steve story, okay? I'm going to get a sip of coffee for this one. It's a pretty cool story. This one's for you, Steve, okay? Uh, because I know that you're going to listen to this. I know for a fact, ladies and gentlemen, that Stephen will listen to this podcast because he's listened to every single podcast that I've ever done. And he's a very loyal fan of what I'm doing. So this one's for Steve. So back in the day when Stephen was graduating from high school, okay, um, you know, Stephen is kind of like, obviously at this point, I'm sure you can gather, Stephen is kind of like an eccentric personality, okay, which is cool and interesting. You know, he was like an artistic kind of dude, uh, you know, kind of low key, um, introverted in a lot of ways, uh, but very eccentric. And in high school talk, okay, eccentric equals, you know, not popular, okay? So Stephen did not enjoy popularity in high school. In fact, sometimes it went the other way, okay, where people were negative or bullying him or something, okay? Which is a whole separate conversation, but so it was really interesting because when Stephen was graduating from high school, he was asked for some reason, you know, by the faculty of the school or whoever was in charge of, you know, picking the speech writers for uh, the commencement ceremony, his graduation ceremony. Um, Stephen was asked if he would write a speech and read a speech at his commencement. And he said yes. Okay. Now you would think that it would be like, you know, this story of Stephen going off the handle or doing something silly or doing something stupid. But let me tell you, okay, because I remember this like it happened yesterday. Okay. It's still very vivid in my mind. Okay. We're at the commencement, right? And Stephen, you know, walks up to the microphone or walks up to the podium, right? And he delivers this speech and it was really quite amazing because, well, not only was it written very well, okay, because Stephen is a very good writer, uh, a very good writer, um, but he's also a very good orator, okay, and when he did this speech, when he delivered this speech at his commencement, it was amazing, okay, it was amazing, and when he finished, his speech, it was like so passionate and so empowered, you know, um, the crowd gave him a standing ovation. Okay. Everybody in the entire auditorium stood up and were just applauding, you know, standing ovation for my brother and the speech that he just delivered, you know, this weird kind of freaky dude you know, on the fringe, uh, you know, uh, he steps up to the microphone and he just rocked that auditorium, you know, so much so, okay, so much so that the next day when I went back to school, okay, I had faculty members from my school, I had students that were there coming up to me and telling me how my brother just nailed that speech. You know, that was amazing. He just did such a great job. And I'll never forget it. You know, I'll never forget it. It was one of those times when I realized that this guy who I thought I knew really, really well. Okay. Uh, you know, I thought he was like silly and funny, you know, and goofy. Right. Uh, he showed me a side of him that was very serious, deadly serious, you know, as serious as a heart attack, you know, and uh, not goofy, not silly. He could be a very powerful person when he really needed to be. And uh, like I said, I'll never forget it. Never forget it. 
So that one's for you, Steve. And uh, I guess with that, I'm going to sign off here. Uh, I'm going to give you a longer singularity today. You know, a little bit longer than usual. Trying a couple of new things here. Um, but not sure when I'm going to give you another singularity podcast. I'll try to do one before too long, but until then, you know, happy holidays. If I don't do one before Christmas, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year and all that. I'll probably do something before then. But anyway, you know what I mean? For now, this is Mike Bostwick from Pipe Choir Records signing off. And remember, folks, if you want to keep what you've got, you've got to give it away. Take it easy. <laughs>